Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. Joining me today is Susie Miller, who's known as the Better Relationship Coach. Susie is a speaker, coach, and author of a best-selling book, Listen, Learn, Love, How to Dramatically Improve Your Relationships in 30 Days or Less. So in this digital age, building authentic, effective relationships is a really big challenge. And in sales in particular, this is a significant barrier for so many sales reps. How do they create relationships virtually that enable them to differentiate themselves from their competitors? And Susie's going to help us sort out how to make this happen. Susie, welcome to Accelerate. Well, thanks for having me, Andy. I'm very excited to be here. Well, likewise. So please take a minute, introduce yourself. Well, you did a you know quick introduction, Susie Miller. I love anything that has to do with relationships, personal or professional, because my bottom line is relationships are the currency of today. And if you are good at building quality relationships, you basically can write your ticket for success. And I think that's true, especially in sales. I have a background. I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm a therapist turned coach. I'm working on my second book, Listen, Learn, Lead, which is about business relationships. Uh, love to speak and consult with companies and businesses to help them kind of shift and really maximize and leverage their team or employee strengths. I am married to my best friend for almost 33 years now. We have three grown kids. We live outside D.C., I'm an all-around just great, fun person. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So... Let's start with a question that that got triggered by a statement you just made. As you said, relationships are the currency of today. So, and we hear more about relationships, but relationships have always been important. I mean, they're not can't possibly be more important now than they've been in the past in terms of business in a business setting. You know, that's a great question, Andy. I think they are more front and center in terms of the importance of developing good skills because we live in such a digital world. I'm a contributing writer for Huffington Post and I'm working on an article about the fact that digitally we lose, you know, a good 60 to 80 percent of the what happens communication-wise face-to-face. We lose the intimacy of a smaller office or company. Even if you're in a big company, you have that kind of cubicle setting um, or that we bump in the hall or the lunchroom. And so relationships were easier to foster, I think, in a slower-paced society. Additionally, think about how much you communicate with people via text and email 
versus picking up the phone. And so relationships are really taking a different turn. I think they're equally important, but they're not the focus of today like they were ages ago. I think it's a kind of an awakening to, oh, wait, I can't just be great at the skill or this, you know, technical ability. I have to be able to have great people skills. So yes, they're important. I think they've always been important, but somehow it's one of the things missing in a lot of, you know, companies today. Okay. So what you're saying is that that yeah, it's always been important, but maybe starting with the advent of so much of our digital technology that we sort of forgot for a while. Yes. And we got became obsessed by the technology and the the ease with which we were able to communicate. And I think the mistake people have made is saying communication equals relationship. I would agree. And what's funny, I tell this to people, my oldest daughter, our, our oldest daughter, is 30. <laughs> my husband's and my oldest daughter is yeah, I'm 30. sure he wants to help take credit for that. Yes. Um, and she lives 30 minutes away from us, and we talk more via text or communicate more via text than we do via phone. It's quick. It's easy. She's married. Her life is busy. She's a teacher. And so it's, there's times when I'll go to respond to something, and I'll think twice about how I'm communicating that because most of our communication, and I think communication is the cornerstone, the foundation of all relationships, is so flat. There's no affect, there's no tone. And so it's interesting how much we communicate in non-verbal you know, verbal ways. And it really does change, I think, the connection at times. And so we'll get through two or three texts and I just pick up the phone. I'm like, forget it. I want to talk to you. <laughs> you know. And the difference I'd say in contrast to that is my mom is still living and I spend time talking to her on the phone and we have a really different connection. So if you take that same template and you put it in business, um, when, you're, when I coach and consult with, with clients, it's this thought of, are you connecting with your customers, your potential customers, your employees, your virtual team in a way that fosters you know, a deeper relationship, a more connected, a more valuable relationship than just flat media? And I think that's where it's become more the currency. And today's millennials, and I'm going to get cream for saying this, they're just not as relationship savvy as we are. They haven't had to have people skills. They're much more digital savvy in my generation, but it's it's a huge issue in the millennial generation. And you see that coming to the fore, how? Uh, as millennials move into the workforce, I have a friend who's a millennial expert, and he's asked me to work on a book with him, Brad Zalas. And mm -hmm. what they're finding is... He's been a guest as, on the show. Yes, he has. That's right. As millennials are moving into the workforce, and they're used to not just their mindset and the way they were raised, they don't have just kind of general people skills. If you listen to, and I can say this because I have three millennial children, I love them all, but they'll do this kind of, well, you know, um, and like, and they'll write the way they speak, or they assume that their, you know, three-word or three-sentence text is enough versus all of the soft skills that go along with building a relationship. I think it's really coming to the forefront. Okay, so in the sales context, to dive into that here, is sure. we have, as you and I sort of talked about even before, before we got on the air here, is, is an evolving sales environment where increasingly sales is becoming an inside sales profession or inside sales dominated. And, um, you know, these relationships now have to be built virtually using the tools we've talked about, which have the, the shortcomings that you discussed. Mm -hmm. So... This really becomes really paramount because, and especially in very crowded markets, which most products exist in very hyper-competitive crowded markets, it's really the sales rep that's the first line of differentiation between themselves and other companies. And the first one that can 
really start building that rapport and the trust with the prospect really has an advantage over the other one. So you've talked before about tips to help people successfully connect online. I want to sort of go through that. Okay. And and one of your first pieces of advice is, which I think was really very interesting, which was that you have to approach your online um, relationship building the same way you do face-to-face. I believe so. I think you have to have a mindset. I interviewed Bob Berg, who's the go-giver, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's a fabulous interview on my podcast about adding value and what that means specifically. And it's this idea of, if I think about the person on the other side of the media, whether it's email or text, and let me make a disclaimer, I love technology. I love that I can keep track with and connection with people and business clients and colleagues through all the media, and it's not so time-consuming. But I believe there's a time and a place when you take a relationship from a couple circles out. This could be your potential client. Now, you've met them, you maybe networked with them, or you know that you were on the sidelines at one of your kids' ball games, and now you want to take it to the next level where they're a potential customer and they're moving through your pipeline, I think you have to really think about them as if they were standing across from you. Would you, you know, would you interact with them that same way, whether it's just, you know, thumbs up or, you know, how you how you doing? Just things that really don't communicate presence. And so I think when you look at some of the digital communication or, I mean, I'm going to take phone calls out of there because I think anytime you add an audio or video component, you absolutely 10x your ability to communicate effectively and connect effectively. But let's say you're using one of the massive, you know, Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, one of the other ways, the kind of digital means of connecting. You have to stop and think, if I was standing across from this person, how would I act? What would my posture be? What would I say? And suddenly your Facebook posts, let's just use that for an example, because I know a lot of sales people use that, um, become a sense of, more about them, more about what's happening in the in the way that you would pull them out if you were in a sales conversation. Because I think one of the tools for any successful salesperson is this idea of kind of being a detective. Like, I'm going to find out what the need is, and I'm going to figure out how my product meets the need. And so I think when you look at a lot of online relationships, it's very product-pushed versus people-driven. Well, one of the challenges is how do you, how do you what do you say Okay. To to draw draw people out. And I, uh, again, I was talking to somebody earlier to a previous interview I did with a guest who talked about uh, he was he's going to a conference that's the uh, the Marketo Users Conference. So Marketo's you know, marketing automation platform. People mm-hmm. aren't familiar with it, and he was getting all these solicitations from various sales reps about, "Hey, are you going? Let's let's get together when you're there at the Marketo show." And he got this email from a gentleman who said, uh, yeah, I'm not able to go to the Marketo show because I have to look after and take care of my dog. But we're going to be going to the Barketo conference at the same time. And that was the one he remembered. Absolutely. You just you just nailed it on the head. Basically, if you want to say something, you want to make it personal to them and personal to you. If you think about the noise online in email or any other way of communicating, there's a lot of noise. And so one of the things I would say is, let's say, let's use your example. I like the Barchetto that's kind of sticks in your head. Creativity, clearly this guy has a sense of humor. Um, The other thing I think you have to do is do a little bit of research. So let's say you're going to this conference and you want 
you know, of the 100 people going, 1,000 people going, the mistake most people make is they try to connect with everybody. You want to, you know, take a step back and go, who is, who are the speakers who are going? Who do I know that's going that I really want to connect with? And then I tell people, you know, read, just read their about page. That's the first thing. Read their about page because you'll learn something about them. And then when you connect, it can be a, hey, I saw that you live in San Diego. My really good friend Anne lives in San Diego. Can I connect you? Because you have a very similar, you know, I don't know, passion or vocation or this just happened with social media marketing world. Or I noticed that you're, you've been in sales for 20 years and you worked for this company. I do as well. Or I have a uncle's cousin's daughter's friend. You find a place to connect and you let that be the lead in. So many times people, hey, I want to meet you. You know, I think we could do some great business together. That's, there's nothing personal about that. There's well, nothing you engaging. Wouldn't, you wouldn't say that to somebody if you were face-to-face either. You would look for right. as face-to-face, you would look for that connection. Right, but aren't you surprised at how much you see that online? Well, not anymore, no. No, true. Dis- okay. Disappointed, but not surprised. <laughs> That's a great answer. Yeah, disappointed. And I think with sales, especially when you take it slower, one of my trainers used to say, slow down to go fast. So you slow down to really build the relationship. And then you can make a sale. And I think that's what I mean when I talk about the currency of today. If you want to eventually grow your business, you have to slow down and really focus on the relationship. So yes, one of the one things you have to do is really approach it as if you're kind of face-to-face. At the same time, you have to be aware that people don't want a paragraph from you in an email. They want you know, a couple of quick sentences. They don't want you know, a lot that they have to sort through to get to your point. So that's the, where it's a little different, where you might be chatting over coffee or in the lunchroom or, you know, at a sales event and you can't, you're not pressed for time there. Whereas, you know, I open up my emails and I don't want a big paragraph about, you know, all this information. I want to get it to the point. So how do you get to the point and be personal at the same time is what I always focus on. And your suggestion is? I think you keep it, um, you write it out. This is what I tell people. You write it out as if you were going to say it, and then you go back and you edit. And you think, how many words can I get rid of? What's the main point in each sentence? So if I was, I know we're going to be at a similar conference coming up, mm-hmm. Andy. And so if I was writing to you, I'd be like, hey, Andy, Susie Miller, we have a mutual friend, Jim Palmer, and I see that you're going to be at this conference. I used to be in sales and would love to hear about some of what you've noticed in the sales industry recently. Looking forward to connecting. Very simple. I've mm-hmm. talked about you. I've talked about somebody we're connected with. And I just made that up off the top of my head. But it gives us a way to say, I'm interested in you and what you offer and what you bring to the table versus let me tell you what I can do for you. Do you see the difference there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So no, really, no, hopefully it's clear to the people listening too because so it's really very a, distinct. Thank you. Really short. You would open that and be like, okay, I can read through this. And you might bookmark it. There's not, you know, I'd have to think of something clever that I'd say at the end. Like, I love the guy who said, we'll be at the, the Bark Fest or whatever it was. Yeah, um, Barkato, yeah. Barkato, yeah. Very so clever. I think you have to do that, but you have to be true to your personality. So if I was really, you know, um, let's say I was more clever online and you met me and you were like, oh, that doesn't quite fit if you hadn't talked to me on the phone. So you still want to be true to yourself. I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you definitely, definitely have to know your strengths and weaknesses when it comes to that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, but getting back to what you talked about before is 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 slow down to speed up. Is mm-hmm. if people haven't read the great book by uh, Stephen Covey Jr., uh, Speed of Trust is mm-hmm. yeah, it makes that point precisely, which yeah. is trust facilitates speed in economic relationships. Right. So financial relationships. So trust becomes that 
get that first barrier, then things can go faster. So do focus on the relationships right at the beginning if you want to accelerate your sales. Absolutely. Well, and I might say, as I've had a few minutes to kind of ponder it a little bit, is I might, I know when you're about, you talked about being, somebody said you would fail sales, you were too analytical, you were too introverted. I might actually put, you know, from one introvert to another, looking forward to meeting you. Mm -hmm. So something clever that you're like, oh, somebody else who's in sales, who's an introvert or who, you know, is analytical, which I'm not, but (laughs) in the same way I think about, I'm analytical of strategies and visions, not of numbers. So I think that way I could be like me and personal, but it would give you that connection beyond. Um, It's, there's, I mentioned Jim because we're both friends with him. It's not a name dropping. So it feels very genuine. I think that's really important. Yeah. No, I like it. Well, good. We're going to continue talking about these points when we come back. We're going to take a short break right now. I'll be back with my guest, Susie Miller. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Okay, welcome back to Accelerate. We're talking with Susie Miller today, who is known as the Better Relationship Coach, teach you how to dramatically improve your relationships in 30 days or less, business, life, work. Um, so we were talking about how to, what you have to do differently to connect with people online and build the relationships mm-hmm. that you want that will help facilitate your ability to get the, the sale. And one of the things that you, you talk about I find interesting, and I want to explore because I think some people may uh, disagree <laughs> fairly strongly, okay. which is you talk about find the right costume. And being that if you're at home selling, and if you were selling on the road and you're wearing a sport coat and a tie, you should be wearing that at home when you're doing your sales, if you're working from home, let's say. At one level, yes, and you're right. People will vehemently disagree with me. But there is an old adage in sales that says, suit up and show up. And so you would, like you said, get suited up to be engaged with somebody face-to-face. And so I'm a firm believer in the fact that you have to have a persona that you are, that's, you know, sorry, a persona that's congruent with who you are. So even on the days I work from home and don't see clients via Skype or don't have a consulting video you know, that I need to be doing, I will still get dressed like I'm going to work. And the reason why is because it's been scientifically proven that your mindset absolutely shapes your day. So if you're slouching around, and you know it's fine to do it sometimes, but in general, if you find that your success isn't where you want it to be, try getting up and getting ready like you're going to an office and treat your job, I think, at home at like an office more of a profession. And you will see a difference because when you're dressed to kill, your attitude, your countenance, you know, the way you sit, the way you stand, the way you talk makes a difference. So I think that's really important. And then that carries over. Interestingly enough, if you were on a call like I am with you and you say, hey, you want to pop on video real quick? And I go, sure. Versus, well, no, because I just got, you know, <laughs> just got out of bed. like crap. Right. So it gives you an edge, both internally, attitude-wise, mentally, with the way our neuropathways form, but it also makes you more available when somebody says, you know, hey, can you meet? Are you available via, via video or, you know, Skype or pop down the road or FaceTime? So it's an idea of being prepared. And you're right. A lot of people would disagree because they love working in their PJs, 
But I think it would be interesting to do a study on that and say how much more effective and efficient are you when you're dressed the part? You know, I think it's an interesting, interesting thought. I mean, I, fortunately, I've, <laughs> I worked in tech for so long, and before I started my own company, as you know, I dressed like crap all the time. So, <laughs> well, but even let's let's go with that. So, a tech person isn't going to wear a suit to a conference. You know, they may wear a polo and and jeans versus sweatpants right. and a sweatshirt. So, all I'm saying is, be aware of that. Like, I don't think you have to get in a suit if you're not a suit person. I don't wear suits, um, and there are days when I'll be in my workout clothes because I know I have a certain schedule for the day. But in general, there's this idea of treating yourself like you're sitting at a Starbucks or at a virtual office or a shared space so that you have the mindset of I'm in work mode. It's kind of like they say in personal relationships, don't take your electronics and work into the bedroom. Your bedroom's where you sleep, where you have some fun, where you relax. And so it's kind of the same in your office. You have to bring the office persona if you really want to kind of psych your mind into being ready to perform at the highest level. So no iPhones in your bedroom? No iPhones in my bedroom. Wow. That's a yeah. level of self-discipline I've not heard of. Well, a couple of reasons why. <laughs> you must have a landline, though. We actually do have a landline. All right, so if the kids call. Yes. Okay, so let's right. change that. If our kids call, and when our kids were teenagers, we did have a cell phone in our bedroom, but it was not used except for if the kids called an emergency. A couple of reasons for that. They're finding that the lighting in it really... Messes, yeah, with REM, right. messes with REM, REM sleep. So if you're looking at it before you fall asleep, your eyes are and your mind are going differently, as well as it's really easy to stay connected to your cell phone as opposed to the person in the bedroom with you. Right. So, if, I mean, I think you need to have a way to get a hold of your kids. But when people think about cell phones, they think about the smartphone and all we do with it. So let's say there's no computer usage in the bedroom. All right, so Accelerate, not just the show for sales advice, but also for sleep hygiene and uh, <laughs> bedroom etiquette. So, hey, we cover all the topics here. Hey, you know what's interesting as you say that? Forbes did a study, and they said the study was that people who are happily married and have great personal relationships actually make 11 to 25% more in the business world than those who don't. So it Stands does. to reason. It does. Great personal relationships. If you're happy at home, you know, and Zig Ziglar, one of my all-time favorite mentors, said you can't consider yourself a success in business if your home life is in shambles. So just a little hint, if you're having a hard home life, pop your, you know, turn your phone off. <laughs> well, also, if, if you're having a hard time at work, look at your, look at your home life and, you know, try to address some of those issues first. Because I, I can certainly, in my own career, can track uh, downtimes and down cycles to when things were were difficult at home. So. Yeah, as can I. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, having made that connection then that we just talked about is the next step is you really have to build some rapport and trust. And so do you have some, you know, I'll call them hacks because people like the term. So hacks listeners can use to sort of quickly establish rapport with someone that they meet online. Yes. I think the biggest one is to add value. And I know Bob Berg has, you know, capitalized or not capitalized. Made a yes. life over, yes. The well, go-giver yes, but, formula. but also, you know, promoted it. But I want to say, or coined that term, sorry. I'm, but the idea is, when you want to connect with somebody online, you have to, again, think, what's, what is it about them? You know, you might say, hey, I read this article, and I thought of you. You know, I was, I was you know, shopping on Amazon, and this book crossed my mind, and it reminded me of something that you posted on one of your posts. It shows an engagement in them that's about them. 
It could be, of course, you want to go read their blog, read their website, comment, be on their social media, their LinkedIn, whatever it is that they're putting out there. You want to be engaged with them. But not just, hey, great post, good comment, loved your show, but something as simple as, you know, listen to your podcast and it made me think of this other person that you might want to interview. So all these little ways where you're kind of adding value to people's life saying, I really care about you as a person, you as your business, you know, this could be, you know, a huge connection point. I have a gal, she's actually in our mastermind, uh, Dr. Carrie Drizga, and she's speaking um, at an event in Canada. And we were chatting and I found this really fun link for wholesale sleep masks. And she is a big fan of how a sleep mask can change your whole health trajectory. And so I just sent her the link and said, hey, check this out. This would be really fun as a giveaway or mm-hmm, as a, mm-hmm. you know, trademark with your brand on it. And so she just felt like, you know, it was totally off hours. We didn't have a podcast coming up. There was no reason for it except for, hey, I saw this and thought of you. And I think that's what you have to do. That can feel overwhelming. So, and this is going to sound a little, um, it's strategic, but I don't mean it to be what word am I thinking of? I don't want it to be narrow or people to think it's... Self-serving. Thank you. Um, and that is, I think through who I want to be connected with because we can't connect with everybody all the time. So who is it that I really want to express care for over a, you know, a season? And it's not that you have to stay at that level all the time. There's some people that I'll connect with and they won't hear from me for six, eight months, except for like Facebook or mm-hmm, quick mm-hmm. likes. But there are other people I think I really want to get to know them better. And I'm going to do that, not by giving them the sorority rush, but by beginning to understand who they are, what they're looking for, and how I can add value to their life. Does that make sense? Sure. Well, that's how you nurture prospects. That's how you nurture prospects. It's kind of the same thing you would do, again, offline, online. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't nurture everybody exactly the same. And so you're going to prioritize based on certain factors, whether the ones you think are the best fit for what you're doing uh, in terms of, you know, you're able, best able to serve them with your product or service or, you know, what other criteria you want to use. But yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Not everybody can be treated the same, but some, and when you do reach out, as you said, it has to be about, not just, hey, I you know really like what the product you sell, but hey, I saw what you do, and yeah, I know somebody that might be able to benefit from it or something like that. And it's interesting. I would say to practice for the listeners, find somebody who can do nothing for your business. Like really go and say, I don't want to sell you a product. This person may or may not ever buy from me, but I really want to practice showing them that I want a relationship. I mean, you've got to be interested in them at some level because you never know who you're going to care for or connect with or build a relationship with that knows your next big sale. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's the kind of thing where you treat the janitor like you treat the president. And so find somebody who's, you know, you're not kind of rubbing your hands together going, okay, they could be my next best prospect. Find somebody who may not be a prospect at all, but is interesting to you, is intriguing to you and practice there because you really can't be salesy and you really have to invest in them. And then you end up with a good relationship and who knows where that will lead. So it's kind of the law of, you know, serving first, giving first, being involved with people first. Okay. So one last question before I move to the last segment of our show. Sure. And yeah, it's more of a general question, just playing off your title of your book. So what is the one thing for our listeners that are here saying, okay, either in a business or personal context, I have a relationship that I want to improve. What's the one thing they can do to dramatically improve that relationship in 30 days or less? Well, there's a number, but I'll pick one that works every time. And that is, you know, a lot of times when we're having a conversation, we're busy thinking about what we're going to say in response 
versus really listening to what the other person's saying. I'm a communication expert. I do it all the time. Somebody's sharing something and my mind's going to either we have a me too story or we have a, uh-huh, 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 let me tell you my perspective on that going through our mind. And so our minds are not really 100% present to them. And so the tip I use in my book is pause and pay attention. Pause your mind, stop thinking about what your response is going to be, and give your attention 110% to the person who's speaking. You may take a different angle, a nuance of the message. You may see some body language you might not have picked up, a tone that you would miss if you're busy formulating your response. And that is something that if you start doing with clients, colleagues, anybody you have a relationship with, it will shift the tenor, not just of the conversation, but the relationship because people will feel heard. And most of us in this world don't feel heard or listened to, and we want to. Additionally, it really cuts down on miscommunication. Good. Well, if, if I may, I'd, I'd add one thing to that, sure. which I, I think is really important is, is and I'll use words I got from, from a, a previous guest, but is when you're, when you are being present and listening, listen without judgment. Yes. Well, and that's again, that's shutting down your mind. You're not thinking if you're listening with judgment, you're already going back with what you think. So it's this open-mindedness. It's this sense of I'm going to be present and try to take in what you're saying. So if somebody comes to me and they're talking about a political candidate that I might not like, um, I'm already going to have a dialogue in the back of my head. And so when you shut that down, judgment shuts down, presumption shut down, and you really can kind of be like, huh, interesting thoughts. And then you can pause and decide what you want to say about it. So yeah, I do like that. All right. Excellent. Okay. We're going to move to the last segment of the show. Sure. Uh, after we finish, Susie will give everybody a chance to uh, find out how to connect with her. So in this uh, segment, I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. The first one is a hypothetical scenario that uh, you're sort of the star of. And in this scenario, you, Susie, have just been hired as the new sales leader at a company whose sales have stalled out. And they want to get unstuck and turned around as fast as they can. So your first week on the job, what two things could you do that could have the biggest impact? So the first thing I would do is set up a meeting with the sales force privately, one at a time, and really ask them, you know, three things they like that they think is going well, and two things that they just, if they ran the zoo, what would they change? So I would do that because mm-hmm. I feel like that gives everybody a sense to know that I would care about what they think, but also you have input in where we go from here. Right. They don't and, care what you know until they know that you care. Exactly. The second thing I would do is I would take all of that. I'm a big fan of uh, post-it notes, and anybody who's read my book or any of my blogs knows that. And I would put them on like two different color post-it notes. So green is good, red is bad. I would call a sales meeting, and I would put them up on the board. And I'd be like, okay, they'd all be in my handwriting so nobody knew who said them. Here's what we think is going well. Any additions, any tweaks, any, you know, top five that really we need to focus on to keep going so our, you know, our sales, you know, can go off the charts. Here, the red ones are the things that people really feel are what's causing the stall in the water. This is the muck in the bottom of the, the lake. This is the stuff that's getting stuck in our propeller. We're not speeding across the, the sales water, just kind of like the old Miami Vice cigarette boat. What are your thoughts? What are your, your potential solutions? And suddenly you have a sales team rallying around you as a leader able to say, okay, we're part of the solution. People will get behind what they help build. And so that's what, those are the two things off the top of my head, because you didn't prep me for these. Of course not. If I prepped, that wouldn't be fair if I'd prepped you. It'd take all, take all the fun out of it for people listening, as well as for me. So now I've got some rapid-fire questions. You can give me one-word answers, or you can um, sure. elaborate if you wish. Uh, so the first one is, when you, Susie, are out selling your services, 
what's your most powerful sales attribute? I ask great questions. Excellent. So who's, who's your sales role model? You mentioned Zig Ziglar before, but maybe somebody else. You know, I would have to say I've learned more from him than anybody else. Uh, Brian Tracy is another one. Okay. I don't want to say the oldies but goodies, but the oldies but goodies, great. Oldies but goodies. There are some new. I should say that. Um, I like Jim Collins. Good to great. Um, but I'm older. I'm you know I'm a I'm a cusper. I'm in my fifties, so I've been around a while. Oh my gosh, not your fifties. Horrible. I love being in my fifties. They're fabulous. <laughs> so they're not old to me. They're the people I kind of grew up with and my, cut my sales True. teeth with. True. So okay. So along the same line as one sales book, or one book, excuse me, that every salesperson should read, whether it's a sales book or not, other than your own. Wow, this is the question I'm going to answer. The first thing that came to mind, because I'm a voracious reader, mm-hmm. and it's another oldie, and that is The Aladdin Factor by Jack Canfield. And what's interesting about that is most people in sales don't, either they don't ask or they give up asking too soon. And it's been shown that it's the fifth through the twelfth ask that gets your results. And so the Aladdin factor goes through, you know, it's based on, you know, the genie and a couple of wishes. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. If you don't ask, you know, the answer to every question you don't ask is no. The, you know, all the, you, the shots you miss are all the ones you don't take. Right. So it's this idea of really understanding why you're not asking and getting out of your own way so that you can begin to be a better asker. Even if it's the first initial conversation where you're making an impact or the final ask for the close, that to me is a really important thing to be aware of because it's about a relationship with yourself and where you get in your own way. So that's the first thing that came to my head. Good, 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 good choice. And Can I give you another one? Sure, go ahead. Okay. A newer one that I like, and I think this is, uh, is not a sales book. It's called The Art of Work by Jeff Goins. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the portfolio life. And what he did there was name the, what I've been struggling to put into words for such a long time, which is all the different facets we have that we love in life versus I have this one career. And for people in my age group, you kind of had one focus. You did one thing and you know you did it till you got the watch. And so it's a really fun um, portrayal of all the options and to really love your work versus just work until you can retire. So the art of work, those are my two. Excellent. Well, I like that. The last one was the first time we've heard that one recommended. Very cool. All right, and I like the fact you threw a basketball reference in your first one. So nice. You must be. Are you a basketball fan? I am. I have a one. Our third child's a uh, boy, and we spent our time being Michael Jordan fans, and he played basketball. And um, I, Michael Jordan has had some comments that really have stuck with me about failure and and how okay. to move on from them. I just actually wrote a post for article for Huffington Post using that quote about I've missed you know twenty six game winning shots, and I've succeeded because I failed. Interesting. Well, go Warriors. That's all I have to say. So, um, <laughs> last question for you. So, what music's on your playlist right now? Adele. Adele. Okay. Adele. Uh, she, I love her new album. It's soulful. It's reflective. So, that's not real salesy. So, that... Um, hey, m- music's not about sales. Music's not about sales. And one of the fun things we just watched was The Martian. The movie, mm-hmm. The Martian, mm-hmm. and the big joke in it, if you haven't seen it, it's just a fun movie, is there's all this disco music. And so the, it was from the 80s, and that's when I kind of grew up and was early married. And so I've had a little bit of disco on my playlist since that <laughs> happened just two nights ago. I did pull out my old, you know, old disco music. So that's I've right. Saturday Night that. Fever. Here we go. Well, ABBA, you know. And ABBA. Okay. Got it. All right. Well, excellent. Well, thank you very much, Susie, for joining me today. And tell folks how they can find out more about you. 
you know, the best way to find out about me is to go to my hub, suziemiller.com, and that is S-U-S-I-E Miller.com. There's all kinds of links for my podcast, my Better Relationship TV. There'll be um, upcoming a, a people skills lab. There's a great opt-in or lead freebie. It's called 10 Days to Effective Communication with Everyone Every Time. And it's a free video course that you can sign up for and get immediately. And it has been one of my most popular you know, things I used to sell, and now I'm giving it away. So okay. you can grab that there. Good deal for people. All right. Well, Susie, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Andy. It was great talking to you and talking sales and people and relationships. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. So, And remember, friends, thanks for listening. And remember to make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine, whether you listen on your commute, in the gym, or make it part of your morning sales meeting. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Susie Miller who shared her expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales. We're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.